Welcome to Everything House Music and More. Today's guest, we have the special and, and Chicago legend, Gene Hunt. Gene, what's going on, brother? Man, how you doing, my brother? Hey, I, I appreciate you being a part of this, man. Not a problem. So we're just going to jump into it, man. No doubt. So, Gene, what was your path to DJing professionally, and what year did you start it? Uh, I started like around like mid-85. Mid-85? Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. How old was you then, man? Probably about 12. When you started DJing? Yeah. Oh yeah, I actually goodness. started going out to parties when I was like 11. Oh, my goodness. And the reason why I can pinpoint that, because um, you know, I got a younger brother. Right. And he's like 14 years younger than me. Okay. So I was coming in from a party one night. Right. And my mom's, you know, her water just broke. Right. So I was just coming in from White Castles over there on Loomis and came in the house at this time. Okay. And, um, you know, we live on May Street. Right. Out south. So I was just coming in from a party. So my buddies just dropped me off. I'm coming in the house. My mother is on her way to the emergency room to have my right. brother. Right. So that was like 82. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like so, 82, 83. So right. I was just coming in from a party. You know oh what I mean? Goodness. So I partied first before I actually got. Started to DJ. You know, initializing the fascination of wanting to be able to do this. So we can say your, your first professional gig was <laughs> what year? I would say 85. 85. Uh, and where was that at? Uh, I did Mendel. Mendel. Get I out of here. played at Mendel. I just ran over Kurt yeah. uh, Townsend, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah I played yeah. at Mendel. Ron Hardy opened up. What? Yeah, Ron Hardy opened up, and then I came out to Ron and played at Mendel. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. so there was a culture of house before the first record in 1984. How did you connect with the culture before then? Um... Well, just by me being so young and just so desirable about it, I just kind of like, it's like when I started going out to some of these gigs, I was looking at like the way that they dress, right. the attire, and like the definition of how like the the setups were, because it, it's not as technical. Right. You, you know, you had your basics, you know, hey, you had people bringing in their crates of records, you right, know, playing right, right. music on vinyl. If right. you had exclusive stuff, then you had to bring that <laughs> that reel to reel, right? On the set playing that again, yeah. You know to play some of the stuff. So I was just fascinated on the way people responded. I mean, I love the way that they dressed, the culture with the Versace haircuts and the box haircuts. And they, you know, right. the because there was the a style to the to the house culture. It back was then. yeah, it had more of a fashionable statement to it, and people were really like adamant about that at the time. Right. Um, when people get dressed up, come on out and look good. Just to right, play some right. house music, yeah. you know. I mean, it was a fashion statement. Um, just as far as the different dimensions of how the music was structured back right, then, I just right. thought that was ultimate, especially on the Chicago level. Right. And then you speaking about fashion, your mother's the famous Chicagoan of Barbara Bates. Right. So and, that um, played a big that played part. a big part. That's what I'm saying. I know you was over there flying out all the time. Huh? Yeah, that helped me out a lot. <laughs> all right. So you're famously connected to the music box and Ron Hardy. How did that relationship come about? That was like my big brother. Okay. Um, we just, I mean, we just instantly jailed out. I mean, he was really adamant about me at first because at first he was like, what are you doing here? You know, like, what are you here for? I'm like, I'm about to DJ. And he's like, oh, really? Well, I'm going to have to see that for myself. Oh, wow. So I was always like good friends with Larry Heard and Robert Owens because okay. I would make all my tracks over Larry's house. Okay. Larry would let me... You know, right, he would set the studio up and stuff, and he let me make my little tracks for the parties and stuff. He oh, like wow. going over there, you know. He had the SP and he had all his gear, so Larry would always let me come over and make the stuff. So when him and Robert and Ryan Wilson was doing a lot of the fingers ink stuff, right, they would give it to me. 
So when I come to parties and play parties, like, who is this kid? And then I play something that's uncut, and they be like, what's that? Where right. you get that from? And I'm right. like, I know them. I'm cool with them. Can I get a copy? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you can So you, it was no doves back then, Oh, huh? no, I wasn't even happy okay. because of the simple fact that I had a privilege to right. be able to get things that were unreleased. Okay. So I didn't want to just be exposed in that, and that was my ticket in to some of the people that right. were asking me about copies and demos and plus right. I wanted to go out to test it and come back and give Larry and give Robert them feedback right. in reference to some of the stuff that I was playing and that I had at that moment. Right, so at, at that time how'd you, how did you get into the club and being so young then? Because you was about 12 years old, right? Well, everybody I kind of hung out with you know, were a lot older than me obviously by me being a teenager. Right. You know, a lot of the places I was being able to get in uh, like the Riviera. Right. I was in high school. I had to go to school the next day. I'm hanging out with Frankie. Wow. Little Lewis, everybody there. We all there. So they weren't too tough on the, at the door at the time. Huh? I didn't have not a problem whatsoever. Wow. And even like the times when I wanted to go check out Michael Isabuka or Michael Fields at Club right. Ray up north, I would be with Robert Williams and I'd be with Ronnie and, and you know and so forth. And wow. So I was at always that early hanging age. around that. Yeah, I was always in that midst of that older group. So. Okay. That kind of gave me that privilege to be able to experience like some of the different places, like Stepney Nine Steps. They used to be up wow. north with Craig Loftus. Right. I hung out with the Power Plant crew too, okay. and I also hung out with the U.S. Studio crew. So okay. you know, you had you had Avery and Elroy and right. Lance and Wow and Abdullah. Uh, man, you you seem Judge, a lot older than you are, man. P. But man, right? So. It was kind of like coming up at that time. You know, they would always give me records and right. unrelease and dub plates and promotional copies. So that kind of steered me along my way. I think I bought my first uh, set of turntables from Craig Loftus. I think I oh, bought wow. some. I want to say they was either from 1700s or 1800s, right. but they had the roll pitches on them. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So I bought those for like 300 bucks for me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Frankie gave me the Bozak. So here. I still got the original black Bozak because it was two of them. I know. I think Craig we kept gonna, one. We're going to put the, the picture, insert picture right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I did was I got it like totally redid. I got a new faceplate on it, but okay. I kept the old original faceplate right, right, on right. it. But yeah, I got it all modified and you wow. know, put auxiliaries and stuff on. I still actually have that rotary to this day. So so I'm, I'm going to ask you this since you, you've been around for a long time, Gene. Where do you think the term house music came from? I just think that people, um, from my interpretation, okay. I think it started off just in a real underground sense, and by it being from you know the who, what, when, where index card factor. Right, right. I think it came from that to a sort of point because you know, at that point in time, a lot of the stuff I mean, like was way. I mean, it came way before I even existed. So okay. I got a chance to get somewhat of some of those bits you know, during the mid eighties. You right. know, like a little bit early in that time, of course, you know, you had the you know, you had ten fifteen, right, Halstead, yeah. You had sixteenth in Indiana. So being you that know, young, you, you didn't go to the warehouse because you were you no, too young to go no, in there. I okay. was too young to go to the warehouse right. on Jefferson. Okay. But at the same time being around Robert Williams right. and how he explained to me the reference and how he brought Frankie here okay. and he was Frankie's truant officer because Frankie was getting in trouble oh, wow. back in the day so he brought him here to Chicago to somewhat formulate this sound of music right. 
Um, so you don't think they got house music from when play, Frankie was playing at the warehouse and they, they shortened it to like, we're going to listen to the house music? I think house music kind of sort of came to plateau like when guys like Jesse Saunders and then would start making tracks, right. putting records out and so forth. I, I think house music started to spawn like right in like maybe I say yeah. 81, yeah. 82 is when electronic gear started coming out and okay. people started making right, right, right. music on drum machines and synthesizers. I think like right in that era is right when it started to nurture. Right. And it, it, it was starting to become that commodity of music because you got to think about it. You're coming off of that disco era. Right. You know, it was also amazing. Like people like me and yourself would always play a disco song or, you know, or a rhythm blues or a funk song. Right. Or some even what it like, I mean, something with the jazz sense. Yeah. But we would also try to incorporate a track with Underneath it. Underneath it, yeah. Or we would take our tape decks and we would right. splice on the real edits, reels. Right. Yep. Exactly. You know, if you had a certain type of tape deck, they had that perfect, precise pause button. Okay. You can get the edits. And right, 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 right. I exactly. think it started to formulate with that creativity at that time, especially when, you know, we had a couple of plants and plants here right. that would press records and so forth. And I think that it just came from just being in that club sense that it started from, it started from somewhat people doing events in their houses. Right. The who, what, when, and where, why, the index card when you right, the index, right, back exactly, in the day, exactly. you didn't have that. You know, right, the fly, the perfect fly at the time. You had to write it. No, at Larry the at right. the print shop exactly. on Lake Street. That's pronto printing, right? Yeah, <laughs> you see? know, coming from the back, and he all right. dirty and dusty. So you, yeah, you're saying the that the term house music came from a, a variety of things. I think it responded. What it started from one small origin, and then it created itself within a realm of places. I think that once people got an opportunity to go to places like like to go to places that had like an underground or a clubbed atmosphere right, right. that it had to have some sort of a continue. I think people would throw parties in their house and they would play this music right. in the house and somebody would have yeah. some equipment and everybody would come together and present some form of a gathering. Right. And then once it started to become a, a bigger commodity as it started to grow, right. then people started to go out to the parties and right. you had to somehow establish that... A name to it and just put, put something a name to, to it. it. Right. You think that, okay, now you had your bushy uh, teenagers that was growing up and they dressed and, they, and, and then you had your kids that come out to projects. Right. So it was like, they're all partying. Right. But she got the people that's the real sophisticated ones, like, yeah, you know, I got the new Laura Bugatti glasses, oh, so I got the right. on, whatever. <laughs> right. But then you got the thugs in the neighborhood. Right, right, right. That's in the projects. They wasn't as fortunate enough to have it. But right. this common ground called house music was yeah. able to solidify the difference between on how you would go out on a Friday night to check out Frankie or you would go out on a yeah. Saturday night to check out yeah. Ron Hardy. It would somehow start to formulate into something that right. would be considered as a community now okay so so back to what you touched on you said so you had early copies of jamie principle of your love before on and on drop do you think jamie's is the real originator of chicago house music you know i can't really say that to speculate because these records were out uh, you know, for for example electra feels good was a record that was out and there was a concept of somebody giving you a rendition right, of right. something that was created. Okay, on and on. The track on and on. Right. 
Newton was out and it had that baseline of that formulation. So I think what Jamie and Jesse probably did was took factions of more of the Italo disco okay. fact and error because we were playing things. No, of no, that I nature. understand that, but but since since Jamie's record was playing in the club, so we we always go back to this. I, I just asked everybody's perspective on this. Yeah, because, because it's amazing to me because I looked. I, I was going through the, some of my record collection because my right. mom just had a fashion show and I found a couple of records with people's names on it. They'll never right. get them back. But right. anywho, <laughs> it dawned on me that on Precision Records that Jesse Saunders had a version of Waiting on My Angel that he did that he sings on. Yes, and yes. the factors of the one that Jamie, I believe, with the Jamie I mean, objective, that came during that era of the power plant era, right? Real to real, so and was playing on there. So I mean, so when you take in perspective to some of the stuff that him and Frankie was working on, like the Your Love concepts and the tracks and so forth, Greg Gray, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that Greg Gray had had his hand in the cookie jar. Yeah, because he was the light, lighting person well. at, at, over there, right? Yeah, but yeah. he also does some of the drum programming for some of those tracks. Oh, wow. But I did notice that as far as Jamie and, and vocalists and music and the Waiting on My Angels and the Baby Wants to Ride, right. he had more or less an influence. You can see the influence of Prince. Right, correct. But in an underground house format. Yeah. It's like when I think of Pevin Everett, it reminds me of a combination of a, J a Jamie Principal yeah. with a splash of some James Brown, but then he got his own <laughs> he has his own definition to it. Gene, you ain't giving me that. I need say, a straight answer man. You, the, the one I just asked you, do you think Jamie created it, it was one of the originators of the house, I, I can't or was really it Jesse's record? I couldn't really say who originated something because everybody was such in the creative format right. at that time. So okay, I can't so, okay, say so, that Jamie is the king of the person that first put no, the no, first no, record out. No, no, I got you in there. So let's say this. It's Jesse. Let's say this. On and on, or It's House, which one really came up with the term of house music then? Was it Jesse's oh, record or It's House, Trippy? Oh, definitely the on and on tracks was um, was the plateau of everything. To talk. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. The on and on tracks on the 808 was like right. by far yeah. gave everybody else that sparked the flame. Okay, all right. I that's, mean, that's, I get Jesse I that. Right, right, right. Now, okay. Fantasy, right. it was Screaming Rachel. Yeah. That's okay. later on after the fact. Was somebody touching the drum machine? Right, Jesse. Okay, all right, all right. So Jesse and Jamie, Jamie, Jesse, Jesse, Jamie. But it's in that same time frame, so okay. it's like they are some of the <laughs> forefathers. I got to give them both that credit. I got you. No, I, it's I like understand. It's like tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Right, 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 right. All right. So you became really popular during the hotel party years when it was all old disco and beat tracks on tape. Tell us what years was that, and how did you develop, and how that you know that influenced your style. Um. You know, I was always one to always want to come to the party with my reel to reels and with my tape decks. I like to play unreleased stuff. So right. sometimes I would come and I would just turn the 1200s off and I'd just go reel to deck for really? the whole party. Oh, yeah. So, in my sense of thinking it in those terms, right. you know, I had that big 909 reel. I had the 707. Right. And I, now I, I currently own a 701. Okay. But in those days, there were certain individuals that did not have the finances to come to parties. So I utilized their strength okay. <laughs> to carry and You don't wanna partake. you wanna name those people right now, I man? Mean, so we know? You know, it's it doesn't matter. I okay. mean, it doesn't okay. matter at this point. Uh, but at that point, hey, that was the edges of wanting to get in the party. Hey right. man, look, I carry this in, man. If I can just get come in. in, man. You get me and my girl in, man. Right. All right, well, let's get to Karen and let's get to work. Come on, right. let's get right, up right. there. You know, so 
whatever way to help if a person is inspired yeah. at that time, you know, I ain't have no problem. Be like, yeah, man, grab that reel to reel. So how, how reel. old were you at this time? Uh, I would say maybe 15, 16 years okay. old. Okay. You know, so I'm a little bit seasoned in it now. Right. But my whole thing, I was always, it's like when I hung out with Lewis, and me and Lewis used to hang out. That's a little Lewis, everybody. It was still. I was in high school, right? So I had to go to school every day, right, right, right. So on the weekends, I would do parties. So what school did you go to? High school. I attended Farragut Career College. Okay, All yeah. Right. So I went to Farragut, okay. and um, of course, they used to hang the little posters out on the wall, on the board. So my teacher would be like, uh, "We see your names on the on the flyer." Right. Are you going to have that homework assignment for me? <laughs> so my thing was just trying to balance off the desire of, you know, this career that I'm starting, yeah. this journey I'm starting, versus, you know, my schoolwork and what I had to right, do. Right. I was able to balance that and create a relationship with my teachers because they That's knew good. how influential I was throughout the course of my freshman, right. my sophomore, my junior year. By the time I was a senior, I think I had like first through fifth and then study right. hall yeah, study, so I, was, right. I was going home because <laughs> i worked out somewhat of an arrangement to talk to the teachers doing points of their lesson plans right and it was able for me to destructure to make music to create and be able to yeah. do something that i was so evidently passionate about at right. the time right. i was able to negotiate with my teachers so sometimes i'll be sitting in the classroom and they be like, gee, man, you ain't doing the test. Right. Dude, I'm, a, I'm like, in the, in the next two <laughs> chapters, bro, like, I'm on something else. You, I'm trying to figure out this weekend. Right, right. Play the playlist, we're going to play right there. <laughs> I'm put, way ahead of that, Put your bro. list together and everything. Right, All right, right, right. So I just had to figure out a way I had to configure right. the nightlife. Because, you know, my mother and my grandmother, my grandmother raised me so... She would always tell me, boy, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, why? She said, boy, you wouldn't leave the house without a record. You wow. That's all you did. So all the 45s, you tore mine and compared right, to right, the right. you tore up mine. Right, right. I said, really, Grandma? She said, yeah, this has always been your thing. You always loved playing with records, and you wouldn't leave the house without Yeah, because I got to say, man, you know, me, me from the suburbs, man, and seeing all the parties in the city, man, and you was predominantly on the, all the flies, you and Andre, man. You know, I used right. to see you guys. I'm like, man, Gene, who is this Gene Hunt guy, man? Right. I'm like, but I, I just can't. Okay, so let me get into this. Okay. People say Lil Lewis is always left out of the story. How do you think he impacted the scene and contributed to the culture? And what was his magic? Oh, his magic definitely was his hustle, his dynamics. I mean, I could tell you a lot of stories with me and Lewis hanging out. I'm talking about to the point where we used to ride around and promote parties, and he had a Fiat. He right. had a little white Fiat. <laughs> but his clutch was jacked up, so I would have to get out and push right, it. Right, right, right. And then run like the Flintstones. Oh, and get, get back in there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. So, yeah, Lewis, I mean, that's big bro, too. Right. You know, I mean, from... The whole line of his family, when you put down all these different promotions, it's like, you know, I remember playing the firehouse with Lewis out west. He used to play at the hole in the wall over here on Roosevelt at the old right. Rainbow Disco. Right. I mean, Lewis been around for a minute as far as uh, the production aspect of Lewis. I remember at the Hotel Continental one night, John Hunt and Chip Beasley came down there and sold him the 808. Oh, wow. But the drum programs were still in the still 808. Still inside you know? there, yeah. And then another thing, a lot of people didn't realize, a lot of people think that Lewis made magic feet. Marshall Jefferson made magic feet for Lewis. Really? Gong, 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 gong. Right. Marshall Jefferson made that. Get and out of here. And there was a vocalist on it. Kim Mizell sung on it. 
Right. A lot of people don't have that version, but yeah. So did that version, when, did Mike Dunn's come after that? Yeah, Mike Dunn's came after. Okay. So really? Let it be written. Really? Let okay. it be written. Let it be housed. And the reason why I can say that is because Mike Dunn brought me a 12-inch. I still have it. He wrote, Welcome to Me to in the scene. Right, right. And he wrote me this big, lovely paragraph, and he signed it, Mike Dunn. It was a test pressing of this record. He brought it to the ASCOT for me, and I still had a copy. Wow. Sitting in its pristine condition. Really? Mike first said, yeah, man, you're a bad boy. Here you go, bro. Wow. And just gave me the test pressing of the record. So, yeah, That's I was one love. of the first ones that had that. Wow. I still, I, I still, I still actually have it, just like the... Um, the trance mass stuff. Like when we used to go to the music box, yeah. Derek May and Kevin Saunderson would come to the music box and they would drive all the way from Detroit up to leave the music institute and they would bring us the stuff to play. Really? Like to stop move it. Right, 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 right. We me and Ronnie had all that. Really? The strings of life, all that. We had all them tracks. So he would they would actually bring us the test presence of the records and we, right. I still got copies of that stuff. Back. So was you a, a resident? Did you have your residency there at the music box? No, not okay. at that music box. At okay. the very last res, the, the very last music box was twenty two ten. That was me and Ronnie before he passed away. Okay, so yeah. you was there every week. But I participated at six fifty seven late, right. and I participated at the other music box. Wow, yeah. that's history right there, yeah. brother. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about your first record and how'd you got in, how'd you get into production? Um. Well, the first track I made was called Dry Yourself Nuts. And it was a, it was a combination of a 707 drum machine, a 909 drum machine, mm. and a Juno 106. And what year was this? This was about 80, maybe 88, okay. 87, 80. I think it was like a junior. I was a junior in high school at the okay. time. Okay, okay. So I made this really abstract track, and I called it Dry Yourself Nuts. Right. So... A lot of people would probably consider it as being techno, but okay. it wasn't really techno because at that time, Pierre and Spanky and all those guys were doing like the future stuff. Right, right. So uh, one night I was playing at Photon, uh, uh, the club Photon used to That's be a laser in the tag suburbs, right. in the South Suburb. Yeah. Pierre said, well, why don't you come over to the studio and mix down We Are Future? Uh-huh. So right out there, I left Photon. We went right to the studio. I think it was, I think it was called Star Trek. Star Trek or, back yeah, in yeah, Exactly, yep. exactly. Incredible. So after I left Photon, we went right over there, and I did the mix down to We Are Future. And it was on Tracks Records, like later on down the line. Right. So when I see the record, I see my name at the bottom. Oh, my on goodness. the flip side, I see Mike Hitman Wilson. I'm oh, like, wow. oh, okay, cool. So that was a good stepping stone to being in a recording studio with these guys. Right. So, so that first record you you put out was that that came out on vinyl. It came out on vinyl, but it wasn't called "Dry Yourself Nuts." Okay. It was called "Living in a Land." Living in a Land. Okay. It, and what label was that? It was on Tracks Records. Tracks Records. Again, okay. It was on Tracks. Okay. And that was the first actual legit uh, release that I put out. And that's under Gene Hunt. Yeah, it's under okay. Gene Hunt. Exactly. Okay. It's called "Living in the Land." It was an acid track, but what we did was we took those raw elements of when I just did it fresh and raw. And then we just really copied the copied the drums off the bass line. Right. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Armando Gallup, rest in peace, came with me. We recorded it at Mark Imperial Studio. Wow. And Joe and Joe Long was the engineer. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, Mark Imperial was probably somewhere upstairs with a girl. I don't know where he was. <laughs> but anyway, we had Joe down there engineering the session. Right. And then my next release was Twilight People. Okay. And that featured Robert Owens. Right. And I did the first recording in a buddy of mine, Ken Jordan's basement. Robert came over one day and actually sung 
on the reel to reel and we just wow. had a microphone but then we actually went to a real recording studio right. to record the actual version that came out right 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 wow so, yeah look yeah, at that see so, so twilight people was my second one okay. living in the land was the first one so i was still trying to get wet a little bit i would always make tracks and, and things right. of that nature and i would play them at the parties on the weekend and stuff like that but so, so some some people may, may be familiar as you as a DJ than a producer, right? But can you tell us about some of your key productions, though? Oh wow, uh, um, I've done a lot of stuff with Nightlife Collective. I've done right. a lot of stuff with Moves and Grooves. Um, I do a lot of stuff with the companies, uh, Rush Hour in Amsterdam, right. and uh, wow. Did quite a few we need I have to, we, at least we, about over a hundred tracks. We need EVs. to do some stuff together, man. Put you out here, man, yeah, and yeah. Uh, do something together with you because I haven't done anything with you yet. I think that'd be great, and I would love to do something. And I hope somebody else would love to do something with you, man. So you right. know, we gonna have that happening, right? So you've been involved in house music underground for such a long time, Gene. Do you think soulful house music has its place in the mainstream, or should it stay underground? I think a bit of both. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I'm. I, for some strange reason or another, I think people were taking that electronic dance music term per se right. to try to make it more or less of a way of sculpting and breaking it. But you, right. you know, you also got to take into perspective. I mean, at the same token, with all these new R and B artists that has crossed over and did house music or, right. or whatever you consider it as being, it kind of has that like '90s textures to it or whatever yeah. you might say. But it should be considered in that form of fashion because yeah. it's just another format of music, just like jazz is right. or, or any other genre of music. It still needs to have some formulated category. Right. But so you, you've been, you've been doing on. this, I mean, a long time, Gene. So mm -hmm. over the years, have, have, what's the difference from back in the '80s to present right now? That that's missing, you think? I mean, think about the factors of. It's kind of like let me get an example, like maybe like '90s. Okay. Like in the early 90s. Okay. Okay, Lisa Stansfield had people hold on, right? Right. So why couldn't it have evolved from all of those different points? Everybody, everybody. Right. From all those different sounds and all those different songs, it should have already had reached a note. Not to mention, like, all the other stuff that was being done at right. that you know, at, at certain time. Right. That music should have already had its own category. Right. But... In some other objective, it never got a chance to reach that threshold. Right. So, yeah, I think that it was very imperative that that music needs to be considered as that because I think about the Whistle Song with Frankie. I think right. about I'll Be Your Friend with Robert, Robert Owens. Owens. Think right. about all these records that have been administered, the C.C. Pennison stuff, I mean, um, the Ten City stuff. Now it's starting to be able to have somewhat of a formulation Right. of taking notice but look how long it had to take for it to Absolutely. acquire Absolutely. the things that were necessary for it to be acquired right. so i think it's on its way yeah because you got to think about ron hardy's playing people hold on I mean, he loved it he was like, <laughs> you know he would play like a lot of that 90s stuff right even after the transition you know or the period before he passed away right you saw the climb of us scaling into that realm of how that music 
could evolve to change. Right. From the crystal waters and the yep. gypsy womans and so yeah. forth. Could have changed big time. So those particles are there. It just needs to be administered properly. Okay. Because that was probably their rendition of something that had a melody right. or something that was soothing or soulful. But yet, at the same token, it fits in that category, which means that music needs to have its own category. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So how has your local fame impacted your personal life? Uh, it's about balance for me. <laughs> that was the cat, y'all. <laughs> yeah. It's more or less about balance for me. Right. Uh, once I learned how to take the different aspects of knowing the difference between my family mm -hmm. or for me to take music to, uh, not to be oversaturated is right. what I'm trying to say. Right. It took me a minute for me to be able to have the difference to be a lot more balanced spiritually. Right. Once I learned how to be a lot more humble within myself, yeah. I think that's where the door started to open up for me. Nice. You know, um, it's like when you don't use your ego, right? You edge God out. Right. And sometimes, sometimes you can have a certain form of a characteristic as an individual okay. that might rub people the wrong way or they might feel intimidated in a certain type of way. Right. It's like, okay, cool. If I play with passion and I play with energy, it doesn't mean that I'm showing off. Yeah. That's just the way I get down. Right. Period. It's like you can persona that well, man, he's like this. And then when you meet me, oh man, he's such a right. nice, nicest, totally different right. right nice, right. most approachable guy right. you can never meet. <laughs> yeah, don't let it fool you. Right, right. Sometimes right. people play with certain different levels of momentum and passion that somebody else would think that they're arrogant. There's a form right. of arrogance or something of that magnitude. Right. And sometimes that's not the case. Yeah. I'm just passionate about what I do. Now, if you plain about what you do, right. then that's how you perceive or you preserve yourself. But right. that doesn't mean that I have to study in that format of being that way. And, and another thing to add to that note is I understand my place when it comes down to family and when it comes down to profession. Right. So I don't try to mix my family time with my children or anything right, of right. that nature and try to squid it in my music. Some of my kids come to my parties with me. Right. Now. We hang out. <laughs> hey, could you give me a drink? Weird. Yeah, sure. That's weird. That right. Yeah, my tab. Go over at the tab. You know, my daughters. Right. No, I feel you. Yeah, my daughters work the door at yeah. parties. My son, come on. I saw my son doing some right, dance right, right. at the Virgin Hotel. It blew me away. I was wow. like, I didn't even know you could do that. Right. <laughs> so Chicago is known uh -huh. for its myths and beefs. What Chicago-based house beef or myth do you want to squash or correct past or present? Um, it's that we blow smoke up each other's asses. Okay. Uh, that sometimes we don't keep promises that we're supposed to keep amongst each other. Okay. Uh, that there are like inner ways of suppression right. when it comes down to other people. If I know that I have the power to help you out or get you to another level, right. then I shouldn't have to suppress you because I'm a f because I'm f afraid of your talent mm. or I'm afraid of you might oversee me or supersede right. me right. because I'm not competent within myself. Wow. These are some of the certain objects that a lot of us around us don't want to expose or they want to confront. Right. So they have to live with that inner insecurity right. when sometimes ultimately it already it shows wow so sometimes when like some of the guys walk up to me hey g man what's going on with you 
nothing, man. Just trying to stay away from constipated people. <laughs> so when they don't do it, they don't understand what I mean by it until it dawns on right. you. Basically, say, full of, you full of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm keeping it a buck. Wow. Now, I'm transparent about the way I feel now because I'm confident in where I am as, as a point of me being in mediated peace with my right. life. Right, I'm working on an album right now, so okay. I'm trying to get some form of direction right. on how to go about facilitating right. the necessary things that I do. So I got certain friends in the, just in the industry and colleagues, and right. I try to seek and get some some form of nourishment yeah. on how to go about it. Like, oh, yeah, man, we got you, man. It's all good. Right, and right, and right. then nothing transpires. So, oh, wow. But then we can be out somewhere in public, and we can be sitting behind the stage, and everybody wants to be important and feel good. Right. I just learned how to detach myself from that because okay. it's not healthy. It's toxic. Right. And... It's un, it's unloyal. Right. So, as far as beefs and people squashing is, you know, I don't have a problem with anybody. Okay. I'm just more or less like, okay, since we can't be this way, right. then we have to be that way. Okay. And it's still being in honors of respecting, right? You know, my fellow brothers and my right, fellow right, right. colleagues. Right. Um, but at the same token, I have to realize sometimes that if we can somehow forms somewhat of a way of, of being direct and straightforward right then i think that we can accomplish a whole lot more okay in a smaller amount of time but you right. know you, you got some of us that you know i'm the man i want to well hopefully I'm, they see this man and I'm then they can um, you know so you can continue to be right. um, 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 right. but i'm gonna continue to be um because um, um, i ain't right. nothing to play with okay all right so, Gene, name me your top three Chicago house music records of all time. Just give me three, brother. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, we Chicago house records. Uh, uh, okay, you can do overall then, if you want to do overall. No, about Chicago artists. Yeah, um, yeah, just yeah, all Chicago. Whew. Or you know what? No, I'll, I'll make it broader. You can go ahead and give me your top three of all time, any record. Except for disco, just give me a house record. I don't think I have a top three. Really? I really don't. Nothing? You just be like, okay, no, this Lewis record. No, Lewis asked record. me a question, something similar to this, and he asked everybody, and we were like stuck. But it was a totally different way how he formed it. Right, right, right. Uh, he probably asked, like, what was one of his, nine name top three of his records? I don't know. I like the t- <laughs> No, I mean, I like a lot of the Marshall Jefferson stuff. I like a lot of the Ten City stuff. But you, when you say okay. Ten City and you see Marshall, that's kind of considered. It's, it's different still. It's still different. You know, so. Love me some Larry Heard. Now. All right, so Larry Heard, Marshall Jefferson City. There Larry, you go. I love me some Larry Heard. Now, okay. Larry Heard was just, I don't know what it, right, like, right, right. what the man was thinking, bro. Like, okay, no, I get you. you know, no, like, I just need to know that because yeah. I, I asked everybody that because right. I want to see. You know, because everybody's different. Right, and I, I love right, to get to, to see right, what their they views and, and their right, opinions are, man. You know, right. so that's why I asked them that. But so no, that's good. Too, I always enjoyed the stuff that, you know, that, um, uh, uh, I would say probably Dajé. Okay. All right. Give me, give me three pre, uh, records that's present right now in this day and age. Not oh, past, Chicago? Not, not Chicago, no, oh, not Chicago. Oh, oh, Just oh. overall records. Ooh. Name me three bangers that you pull out that you play every night overseas. You had to go somewhere right here, mm. out of state. That's your go-to record. That's go. difficult when you got so much. Just give me name me three. You you you, you know how it is. You can name me three off top. Uh, wow. I want to see what's in your playlist. Wow. Mike got a couple of 
bangers out right now. Okay, um, we got Mike now. Okay, we know that. Okay, go ahead. Louis got a couple bangers out right now. It's okay. on his album. Okay. Um, One more. Mm. For the people know how jeans play. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Do we got we to gotta stop right there, Gene? All right, we going to stop right there. So, I, hey, man, like I said. Ocelotti. Okay. All right, Ocelotti. there you go. Brother, Ocelotti. I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, I appreciate you taking your time. I just wanted people to know your story, uh-huh. how you feel, how you how you came up. Because, like I said, a lot of people don't know our story. Right. And I hate to see people telling it that they, they don't know us. Right. So that's why I, 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 I do this platform so you can tell your story and yeah. put it out there and that's your truth. Everybody has their own rendition of, you know, or their perception or how they feel about right. it. But at the end of the day... Um, Hey man, this is the mecca of house music. This is Chicago, man. This there is you where go. we're from. So we have to just be just a little bit more adamant about that. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Love y'all. Hey y'all. No doubt. Click the button, subscribe, hit the notification. Everything house music more. Love you, Gene. Love you more, brother. brother peace.